Father God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, oh God, I ask you right now, God, that you would move by your power, that you move by your anointing. Sweet Holy Spirit, come into this place. Oh God, I pray right now, God, that you would do what needs to be done. Oh God, I ask you right now, God, that you would hide me behind the cross, give me access and ability to minister in the third heaven, that I may rightly divide the word of truth in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Oh God, I pray that you would till up the follow grounds of the hearts and minds of people, make revelation, make teaching receptible, understandable for your people, oh God. Oh God, I pray right now, God, that you would do it like you never done before. I take authority over the atmosphere, I cast out every unclean spirit. Oh God, I call forth the angels of the living God now to move in this place. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. If I was going to pick a topic today, it would be don't get caught up in, a, in the crowd. A lot of times what is happening in this hour that so many people are looking at the crowd and thinking that that's where the next big move is. But you got to understand something. God is shifting. He's changing not just you, but he's changing the world at this very moment. You need to understand something. God is shifting his position in the earth realm. He's making himself known and he's using various things in this world to show the man, the man that's built this earth to think that, I'm talking about the buildings and everything in it, to know that it is not you, but it's me that gives you the ability to do these things. A lot of times in life we don't understand that God is the one that's in control of all of these things. You need to understand what God is seeing and what God is speaking. You got to understand something. People think Instagram is bigger than than God. People think Facebook is bigger than God. They think the internet is bigger than God. You got to understand something. People are justifying their being and their existence based on how many followers they have, but yet they don't have the spirit of Christ. Don't get caught up in the crowd. And we feel like we're nothing. We have nothing to offer because we don't, we're not set up according to the world system. You need to understand something that you live in Babylon. And you got to understand something. Jesus came into this world after he kicked Satan out of it so he can give us a way out. You got to understand something. We don't understand the true revelation of Jesus Christ and his coming. We think it was just to come to bless us with a new car and a new house. But Jesus Christ, his coming was for us to have a way of escape from the wiles of the enemy. You need to understand what this is about. People, it can't help you get set free and delivered. It's by the power of God only. And you need to understand that the power and acts is still moving to this day. But everybody in this hour is not going to have the power. We're going to be in Matthew 4. 18 through 22. We're going to be in Matthew 8. 8. Verses 18 through 22, Luke 9, 61 and 62. We're going to be in Matthew 10. We're going to be in Mark 4, 11 through, 11 through 12. You need to understand what is going on. In order to be different, you, you are going to have to walk alone. You got to understand something. Jesus Christ was always a loner. He was always about his father's business. You got to understand something. He was always a visionary. He was always a person that had his father's will at focus. But you need to understand something because you are the Adam nature. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold to eternal life. Because later, if you is a crown of righteousness, you need to understand this. That's why he's left us the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost power. That's why he's left us all of these things that we can fight in this world. You need to understand something. Jesus Christ 
is greater than anything that you're going to ever experience in this life. But if you don't have the eyes and the ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, you need to understand God is moving now, but he's only moving by faith. Faith is the only thing that's going to attract the Spirit of Christ in your life. Coming to church, paying your tithes and offering, you can't enter into worship. That has nothing to do with God. That has everything to do with you. You said you got to understand something before God came down. He said prepare body. That's why you got to prepare your body in order to understand the coming of the next of the coming of the second coming of King of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to understand something. God is trying to prepare us for his second coming. But those are fading away. They're losing hope. And their gods and gods defeated all the gods of Egypt. Why would you think he would not defeat the gods in this world now? Don't get caught up in the crowd. Matthew 4 and 18. And this is something else that God gave me. A visionary does, does not wait for a crowd to be around to do what is in their heart. You got to understand something. A person as a visionary, that's a person, one who has a vision or a seer, a dreamer. You need to understand something. You got to have a certain type of thing that's already implanted inside of you. That's why you need to tap into what the Spirit of Christ is saying to you. You need to understand that's why it's important to have the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost will bring all things to your remembrance. So it's important to understand the Bible says in the, in the New Testament, he said those that have my spirit are, are have or know me. That's why it's hard for people to know the spirit of Christ. They know what it sounds like, but they don't know how it manifests. And God has a way of manifesting in all things in our lives, and he does strange ways, and he's a mysterious God, as the old people used to say, and he moves mysterious. You need to understand something. Don't get caught up in the crowd, because the anointing is not in the crowd. It's the wolves that have a heart to seek after God, those that are chasing and running after the things of God in this hour. If you're easily distracted, you need to understand something. Your focus got to be tweeted and understand that that's why the word of God is there, to understand something. Double mind and man is unstable in all his ways. You got to understand to read the word of God with clarity and with understanding. You cannot read the Bible and the word of God with doubt, confusion, disarray, unforgiveness, strife, and all of these things are going to be a hindrance to you understanding and hearing God in clarity and understanding. Don't get caught up in the crowd. You need to understand something. When God spoke to these men and women and these disciples in the Bible, they dropped everything and followed God. You need to understand what is happening in this hour. Let's go to Matthew 4 and 18. Jesus calls his first disciples. Matthew 4 and 18, it says, Now Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two men, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother. It says right here, it says, Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You got to understand something. God was talking in a parable, but God was talking in a way that, that related to what they were doing. He says, you're catching natural fish, but I'm going to show you how to capture the spiritual things of the man's heart. He said, you follow me, and I'm going to give you a mystery, and I'm going to show you and reveal a thing that only man, that man cannot do, only what I can do. You need to understand something. The mystery that God was going to open up until the disciples was something different. You need to understand something. Only the mysteries of God can be unlocked by the the people and the spirit of God and if you don't have the spirit of God you're not going to be able to be moved or shaken by all of these things that's working in this world you need to understand that 
destruction. There's another tearing down of the system. You need to understand something. God defeated all the um, gods in Egypt. You need to understand what is going on and happening now. God is going to do the same thing as he's doing in the word of God over 2,000 years ago. He is moving right now. He's the mission to those that don't understand and have the spirit of Christ. So these disciples, they heard with their natural ears because the power of God was there and it blocked all demonic forces. You've been doing this for 25 years. Somebody stops by and tells you to drop everything and follow me. And for you to obey, there had to be a presence there. It's hard for you to leave your job after 25 years. And you got the spirit as you say, but you won't move. Don't be caught up in the crowd. Then they immediately left their nets and followed him. There was no doubt that this man was not like any other man. But why is the world falling after their man, the gods of this world? And going on from there, they, he saw two other brothers in verse 21, Mark 4 and 21. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, it says, in that boat, with Zebedee, their father, it says, mended their nets, and he called them, and immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. Listen to this. They dropped everything and followed after Jesus. There was something about Jesus that was different than everybody else. And I'm going to break down the definition of a disciple. A person, a, it says a personal follower of Jesus during his life, especially one of the 12, it says apostles. A follower or a student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. So you're supposed to be a disciple of Christ. And I remember about 20, 30 years ago, they used to always be talking about we are disciples of Christ. You're supposed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What is you following? The word of God. You're supposed to be a philosopher, a student. A student in the word, helping you to rightly divide the word of truth. But we allow the internet to define who Jesus Christ is in our lives. We're allowing our situations to define our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're allowing all of these things to help us figure out who we are in Christ. But we never seek God's face. And I'm going to read you Jude. 
24, it says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceedingly joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majestic, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. That is still reigning today. Let's go to Matthew 8 chapter. Demands of discipleship. And I'm going to take you to Luke 9 and 61. There's only a few differences in, in that. And Luke 9, 61 tells you a true, the true cost of discipleship. But because we don't understand and have not been a student or follower of a philosopher of the word of God. We've been relying on what man is telling us that God is to us in our lives. But yet you've never had a personal relationship. Or yes, you did have a personal relationship. But yet you let the psychiatrist determine your reasoning how you're going to come out. I don't have no problem with that. But the thing about it is God is the one that made the body, the soul, and the spirit. You need to understand something. God is the only one that can heal you. God is the only one that can deliver you. You need to understand that. You need to understand your creator in the fullness. Because if God can't do it, it cannot be done. What brought Mary Jane out may not bring you out. And a lot of times, if you really look back at yourself and stop blaming somebody else so you can stay bitter and upset and unforgiveness, you look at it, if you obeyed God, we wouldn't be here. Don't follow the crowd. You just got to be a disciple of Christ. You got to be, understand that he was a visionary. He was a dreamer. You got to understand something. Before the man in the Bible was a dreamer, you got to understand something. God was already in the dream. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. All things come from God. Eighteen, Matthew 8 and 18. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I told you, disciple. So a certain person came to him. And see, that's how we are with God. We come to God with certain things. But when God lays his word out, we don't want to receive it. Uh-uh. I, 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 I make a million excuses why not to do it. But the only thing about it is you're only prolonging your suffering. You're only prolonging your trials and your tribulations. And the Bible talks about a disobedient spirit. It's just like 
witchcraft. But dare not think that you're a witch. How can I operate in something if I don't have that spirit or characteristics? Because Solomon proved that about knowledge. It is power, but yet it is deadly at the same time when it's not being governed by God and having God's heart and character. One thing that I learned about a crowd, you throw the right thing in it, they'll scatter. You throw the wrong thing in it, it'll stay together. And you're probably saying, well, you're saying the opposite because that's the way a crowd is. They're gonna do the opposite of what you thought. Verse 20, it says, and Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head down. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And this is what God is saying. See, we want, we want something from God, but we don't want to do what God say do, especially when it's not to what we like. Let's go Mark 9, 61. And I'm going to go up and read 57. True cause of discipleship. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. That means you got to be willing to move. You're going to have to be willing to sacrifice the comforts of this life. A true disciple does not live like the world. So your whole focus is to have great and expensive things in this life? You'd have missed it. Because you get caught up in your riches. You got to understand something. It's easier to leave a poor thing than a rich thing. But if you possess neither, you can be a true follower of Christ. But look at what the world is doing, what the crisis, what the crowd is saying. Be rich, go chase after money, do what thou want, it is your life. Get caught, slap, and do everything. Disgrace yourself and your people, and you can have everything. But it's like Satan, still whispering in the ears of the people. He would never give them the full prize. He will only give them bits and pieces of something. That's the only keep you attracted. Have you ever noticed you don't put a whole block of cheese down for a rat, you do them a little bit. And then you hope you catch them on the net. Then he said to another, verse 59, follow me, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. I got to take care of a personal matters. I got to bury the one that gave me life. But God is the one that give of life. 
Man is just an instrument in which she uses sperm and the woman, the egg. Verse 6, Jesus said to him, it says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. He's saying, let the ones that I have not called at this time take care of the earthly things. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Listen to all of this. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We're talking about the demands of discipleship. We're talking about the true cost of discipleship. And we need to understand something. Sometimes we want something, but we're not willing to do what it takes to get it. You got to lay, give up everything in order to follow Jesus Christ. When you've done all that you can in the, in the natural realm, you got to pick up what God has already called you to do. He told them the greatest commandment was go out and to eat all the hedges and highways and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to all. So if you preach the gospel to your family, when they pass away and they've already received Jesus Christ, you move on. And if they have not received you, the Bible says shake the dust off your feet. God said, wait a minute, there ain't no way around this. You put your hands to the plow and look back at anything in the world, he said, you're not fit. That means you got a doubt about me. I'm going to tell you something in Luke 10. There were 70 disciples. There were 70 disciples. Let's go there. Luke 10, 1. But we're going to get down to the 12. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face and says into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to him, it says the harvest is truly great, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the heavens, it says harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, sack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But who says, whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of, it says son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. It says, and remain in the same house eating it says, and drinking such things as they gave for the labor is worthy of the wages. Do not go from house to house. It says, whatever city you enter and they 
receive you eat such things as are set before you. It says, and heal the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come upon you. You need to understand what God is saying. Whoever receives you, leave a blessing there. Don't waste on your time for those that do not have an ear to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Those that receive you, heal and bring deliverance and miracles. How can deliverance and miracles come in a place when it came to God when people have not have an understanding or a doubt that you are who you say that you are? There's going to be many people along this journey, even family members, even friends, people on the job. You're still trying to regurgitate Jesus Christ to a person that does not have faith to receive. You want them healed. You want them set free and delivered. But yet, they have not received. Because the faith is not there. But those that receive you, Therefore, of God, miracles. And I want to tell you something about the crowd. You need to understand something. A lot of times we got an idea in our mind where we want God to move and use this in a big place. But you, it may not be faith there in order to perform the miracles. When God was healing the woman, he put everybody out that did not have faith. So a lot of times you see people moving according to what the spirit is saying, according to what they are doing. So if their spirit is saying do this and do that, and if it's not rooted and grounded in faith in the things of God, there's never going to be an outcome. There's never going to be anything good that come out of it because Jesus was not in the foundation. You need to understand something. The crowd is not where it's at. God is moving in small places. He's performing miracles. Why would he say go to a house? Not a mansion, not a palace, not the king. Look at this. So when he went there, they did not receive. He said, shake the dust off your feet. Because the people that's operating in the kingdom of this world, they're not going to receive you. Let's go down to 17, the return of the 70. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give ye the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemies, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. That the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name are written in heaven. The 70 went out. And they flowed to a certain level. In what God had commissioned them to do. But then God says, out of the 70, he pulled 12 aside. Then he started dealing with them. A lot of times it's not in the crowd. It's not in the multitude. But it's in the still, small voice of the Lord. 
You worried about who's receiving you and who's not receiving you. It's not even about that, but you have left the word of God there. The Bible says some plant, some water, but God is the one that gives the increase. You got to shake the dust off. Shaking the dust off is leaving your worries, leaving your fears there, leaving your doubt there. Because one thing I noticed, if you're in the midst of a bunch of doubt, you cannot operate and flow in the power of God because you allow your, your people or your crowd to dictate the spirit of Christ that's going to flow through you. You got to have faith. Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. It's impossible for anybody to obtain anything from the Lord unless they have faith in God. Your faith can change the whole situation in the house. But God was saying you only got a certain amount of time. You got to do this. You got to do this fast. They don't receive you, move on. Go to the next house. Jesus Christ selected the 12 disciples from among his earlier followers to, be, to become his closest companions. We're still talking about don't get caught up in the crowd. So now God is taking it down from 70. Now he's moving down to the 12. And this is, he's giving them specific instructions. Matthew 10, the it says the 12 apostles are sent. You need to understand something. There's something that you get in a small place that you don't get with the 70. And it says, and when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Now the names of the 12 apostles, he gave, then he called out all of their names. Let's go on down. Verse 5, then the 12 said, Jesus sent out and commanded them saying do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city or says of the Samaritans but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel he sent them to a particular people or a nation at this time the Gentiles were not even thought of of course exposed unless Angle say thought of but given to the, the disciples that didn't come into what Paul came in because, you know, the Samaritans were considered low grade. Remember when God touched the woman at the Samaritan well? She talked to her. Now listen to this. It says, as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. It says, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money bags, nor bags of your journey, nor two, what's it, two tunings, nor sandals, nor uh, staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Tell me his tunics. Talking about the dressing attire. 
He's telling them, don't take all of these things with you. He says, I'm going to supply you as you go. Because when you go back to the 70, what did he tell them? He says, when they receive you, eat, drink there. You got to be careful about who you commune with. Who's going to detour you from doing the will of God? The enemy, he's crafty. He's cunning. And I'm going to go here to Mark 4. Go with me if you can to Mark 4. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, Mark 4, 11 and 12. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Jesus said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. They're getting something different than the 70. The other ones, they were busy about the work and the commission because that's what they were commissioned to do. And I'm telling you, God is shifting the church as we speak now. The church has done the work of the 70. Now he's finna usher in the smaller group to do the greater work. This is a shifting and a changing of God. The getting caught up in the big crowd, the big churches, all of that's finna be done away with. They serve their purpose. They serve their time. God is getting more personal and more intimate. What do you mean by that? I could perform miracles, prophesy, I could do all of these things, but don't mean I'm having an intimate relationship with God. You're just receiving. But sitting down at Jesus' feet and being taught is another thing. Why would God downsize from 70 down to 12? There was something else that he was trying to do. There was a shifting. Because the closer he got to the resurrection, the closer he got to death, he wanted to lay a firm foundation. You don't hear no more about the 70. You only hear about the 12. They became, after Jesus, they became what? Apostles. What is apostle? They set up, they teach. They bring structure. And this is what he's doing. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive. They're seeing it, but yet they have no understanding of what they're seeing.
and hearing they may hear and not understand. God said they're hearing me, but the clarity is not there. The revelation is not there. And I tell you this. Even in relationship, you don't reveal who you truly are to everybody. You may have a crowd of friends, but it's only, what, three that you really deal with. But I know a lot of people. They see certain things. But it's only a few that really know me. It's a few that only can perceive who, what I'm really about. I'm not in the performing of the miracles or I'm not putting on airs this, this, this. I'm not showing the good side of myself. But they won't judge me for who I really am. They got my best interest at heart. You got to understand something. What God is saying in this hour. He's reconstructing what he's doing in this hour. And God is going to move in a way that has been preached and prophesied about, but yet when it manifests, they're not going to believe that it's God. But that's what the people did. They preached for years that the coming of Jesus Christ come, but they were expecting some great display. But God moves in in a way that's quiet. You don't think that he's moving. But he is. Then all of a sudden you walk up into what you've been praying for. But yesterday you didn't see it. But today you see it. This is the way God is. Least they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. I want to tell you something. When Jesus was in the, on the mountain praying. He had Peter, James, and John's there with him. And this is Luke 9 and 29. You don't need a lot of people to get what you want done. Matthew 18 and 20 says, two or three are gathered in my name. He says, there I am in the midst. But you got to understand the way the world moves is different than the way God moves. You don't need a lot of people to get a prayer through. All you got to do is have faith in God and stay stand still, immovable, always abiding in the works of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. But the problem is with us in Babylon, we want to move wherever the crowd is, whatever, whatever they're saying. But he told Joshua, stand still and see what? The salvation of the Lord. Standing still is meant I'm in a position that I'm ready and I'm focused on whatever God does. I'm preparing myself for it. Because he's not going to disappoint me. The crowd will turn on you viciously. Jesus always had a lot of people around when he was doing miracles. 
The crowd pressed him. But when he got ready to down the cross, even his own disciples turned against him. Even the faithful. I'm telling you this. Be prepared and get ready to walk alone with your faith in your God and to be your own disciple according to the word of God. You got to know your person. You got to know who you are as a person in Christ Jesus. You got to know where you stand at in the gospel of Jesus Christ and that his coming was not in vain. His coming was for you to do whatever his assignment is for you in the earth realm. And you're going to have to be willing to leave houses and land. You're going to have to be able to, ready to leave the world. You're going to have to be forsaken your family, your children, your brother, your sister, your brother. You're going to have to be able to, willing to do whatever it takes that he's asking me to do. And if you're not going to be ready to do that, he says, for you to put your hands to the power and look back, you're not even fit for the kingdom. And people don't have a made-up mind to serve him. You need to count up the cost and be willing to do whatever he's asking you to do. Because right there before the end, God's when God will turn it around and save everybody in your family. But you're caught up in the crowd and what they're saying. I want to read you one thing and then I'm going to close it out. John 15, 15 through 17. John 15, 15 and 17. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not understand what his master is doing. God says, you have proven yourself to me. You know, no longer my a servant. Now you know what I know. But I have called you friend because everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. He's talking to the 12. And this is what I love right here. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will remain so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give to you. This is my commandment to you. Love one another. I pray that something's been said and done in the mighty name of Jesus Christ.